Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is sacred space. The path feels that all space is sacred. The universe itself is sacred, so everywhere in it must be sacred as well. If something is sacred, it is worthy of personal veneration, that respect and awe inspired by the wisdom offered, or to honor its very existence. We believe that dedicating a place for ritual or devotional practices increases the sacredness of a place, deepening that experience of the spiritual when you return to it again. We have practiced ritual consistently in one backyard, and the place seems to exude calmness and tranquility when we step into it. The garden that is part of the space grows with lush abundance and little effort. We often feel we are the stewards of the land here and that we are accepted by a benevolent genus loci. The act of casting a circle to keep harmful energies out comes from ceremonial magic or Wiccan practices and is not usually a necessary part of ritual for us. We know that our connections to the energies of the physical elements, genus loci, old ones and ancestors are always present. We do not have to summon them to witness or participate in our rituals. We feel that summoning an energy like this is not only presumptuous, but borders on rudeness. If an energy wishes to be present, it will be. We do not have a say in this matter, as they exist not only fully in the magical, but also manifest as they will in the mundane. This is not to say they are capricious or mean harm to us in any way. They are just vastly different from human energies. We also do not believe we are threatened by some form of malevolent spiritual energy while at ritual. We are surrounded by the sacred, and that is all that matters. When we choose to cast a circle, we do it as part of the opening portion of our ritual. Its purpose is to create a place which will contain the energy we are going to raise for a working. It can be seen as putting liquid into a jar. The liquid assumes the shape of the container until it is poured out again. We use the circle as a place to keep the energy together as it builds until we release it into the universe to manifest our magic during the working portion of our ritual. We also feel that the circle fades away as its purpose is fulfilled at this point while we are grounding and returning again to the mundane world as part of the closing portion of our ritual. We have also learned that there are special places in the area where we live that enhances our own experience of the sacred. Working and living in the mundane world often keeps our focus there, and going to one of these places is a wonderful reminder of the existence of the magical world, as well as a way to recharge ourselves spiritually. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Dave. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Eh, hanging in, you know, enjoying the semi-break in the weather. Right. The snow, such as it was, is melting, and it's being replaced by rain. So I am less worried about the snowpack amounts that we need because we're getting rain. Yep. <laughs> but that's just me and the awareness of climate change. Yeah, and we'll right. leave that one alone because it turns into a political debate for way too many people. Well, actually, and it's funny because the very first 
sentence in the reading that we're talking about today. Yes. The path feels that all space is sacred. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, there isn't. How do you draw a line between what is and what isn't? Right. We get so wrapped up, and, and, and even you and I do in our discussions and whatnot, about, you know, being in sacred space versus mundane space. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. But at the end of the day, I, I truly believe that we are wandering about in our own cathedral. And that is the earth of the sky, you know? Well, I agree completely. It's just, I think when you are doing a specific ritual, you need to kind of have a space that allows you a spot to focus your energy or whatever. Right. And that's what we're talking about today. And very often the whole idea of casting a circle, quote unquote, to create sacred space, as we said in the writing, the ceremonial magicians and ceremonial magic and some Wiccan practices was the whole idea that you were being attacked by malevolent forces somehow. Now, ceremonial magicians were supposedly working really hard on calling them demons, and whether those exist or not, I can't say, other than the ones that we have are our own personal internal ones. But I could see them being worried about being attacked by something all the time. And for me, the Wiccan influence of the idea of malevolent forces it was a big deal in the 90s, I think, in the early 2000s. It used to come around that you were under psychic attack somehow. Yeah. If, yeah. Something, hor- if something bad was going or negative in your mind was going on around you, you were a victim of psychic attack. And I'm sorry, sometimes we cause our own shit. Well, and, and from the point of the view of the path, we really don't traffic in specific deities and specific entities and specific angels or demons because most of our focus is simply on the energy of the elements in our place in space and time so i mean you could you could almost consider the path to be you know a naturalistic or an elemental kind of craft well yes so i am do we also think in terms of the energies of Genus loci, which are spirits of place. Yep. But they are still connected to the natural world and to that extent. And we refer to the gods as the old ones. Right. But what I'm. With more energies in a specific pantheon. Sure. But what I'm saying is, even when we speak of the old gods and ancestors, uh, oh, yeah. both genetic and spiritual and whatnot, we don't generally speak of them in terms of positive and negative or good and evil they simply are energy they are you know what i mean they're energy yeah yeah exactly Um, the whole concept of there is energy out there in the universe that specifically wants to come into my area and do dave some form of harm yes really yeah it, it, it just never really resonated with me and that's not to say that it's right or wrong or good or bad it's just those aren't the colors that i like to paint with no me either i like i like the path being about elements and about place and like i say our place in this space and time Mm -hmm. because they're all they're neither malevolent or benevolent they are simply present the wind is and 
water is, and that's how we work with them. Exactly, and that's not to say that water and wind can't be destructive, because storms exist. But sure, they're, they're not, elemental, yep. Yeah, well, not even that. They're also, in the mundane, they're way beyond elemental sometimes. But you understand, what they're not, sure. it's not like if my basement floods because it's rain, it rains, that the element of water is pissed off at me or means me harm. It's just part of the natural process of things sometimes. And I'm I'm sure that must have had some real personal meaning for you, you know you you know, just thinking about your life's experience and you've been through a couple of house fires. Yeah. Fire and, did and not be, set out to be mean. What's that? Fire did not set out to, you know, come out and get me. Well that's that's just yeah. it. You you see it in that way where it wasn't an attack by the element of fire or some malevolent force wielding the element of fire it was simply it happened yeah it's, and if anything i'm going to blame electrical wiring which is a modern convenience anyway and sure. well long after man got the idea that there oh this four element physical elements you know around me that i can be aware of kind of thing so sure. yeah, i mean i don't i really i don't hold with the whole idea of I'm going to use that K word, karma, in that respect. Right. Because I don't practice Hinduism. And to me, Hinduism is all mixed up with karma. And okay. there are many degrees of karma beyond what the Western simplification has been made of it. Absolutely. That I am never going to understand because I am not a devout Hindu who has devoted in their essence, lifetimes of study to the idea. Right, and and karma has a thousand meanings, just like there's a thousand words for snow if you live in Inuit culture. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So to me, it's more about reciprocity and intent, I guess is a good word. If I have positive intent or intent not made to hurt anybody else, when I am working with these energies, then what comes around to bite me in the ass later should hopefully be positive. <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean it isn't influenced by something else out there. And by the time it gets back around to me, there's some negative attack to it. In some well, way. well, I was, I was, I was quiet because you're talking about the positive intent, and you were essentially right at that energy of. Now we are going to create some sacred space. You were creating that area. So I've yeah. been looping it back here. No, oh, sorry about that. Yeah, that's what happens sometimes. I, I get caught no worries, up. No worries. No worries. Whole <laughs> metaphysical ideas in my head sometimes. But yeah, you yeah. are with active intent saying good things are going to happen in this space. Yeah. I'm not going to be concerned about dangerous or bad things happening while I'm in this space. No. And I'm going to try to do some magic while I'm in this space. And that's at, at least from the casting the circle a la the path point of view. That's that's really yeah. I mean, I say I don't cast a circle, but before every podcast I set my desk up here and my coffee is over here on my left and my phone is here and my crackers here. And my yeah. water is here. And oh, yeah, so, you know, while while we want to say that sacred space isn't necessarily required, man, by habit, we do it every time we set the table for a meal. Well, sure. It, 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 dep- you're, it depends you're creating on what sacred space. Yeah. 
you are and and let's think about the fact that for the path when we cast a circle it's for 99 times out of 100 i'll be honest we're creating a container because if you're going to do some kind of working where you're raising energy for whatever purpose Okay, if you're collecting the energy, you got to have somewhere that contains it until you're ready to release it. And in the the reading, you talk about um, liquid filling the container and whatnot. Yes. Myself, personally, I believe that the liquid can swirl in a circle without there necessarily being the need for the container. But that's a that that's just a very minute distinction. But yeah, you want to have a place where your stuff is swirling. Yeah, exactly. Until you yeah. gather it all up, it's at its strongest point. The container is full. Yep. And then you send it off because it's more effective that way. Well, and it's more, I think, gratifying. Well, sure. You know, I think we get some of that instant feedback of imagining the splash or imagining the cloud forming and then, you know, feeding all of the gardens or what have you. Yeah. Or, or aiming it in a specific direction. Ooh, I've never really thought about that. I've never really done an awful lot of directional stuff. Yeah. In my other than you know, obviously facing a corner or whatever. If I'm trying to talk to a particular element. Okay. Well, if you're if you're working for, I don't know. I'll give an example. Knowledge, which is associated with the east and the element of air. Okay. Okay, and you're generating energy to increase your knowledge. Wouldn't it make sense to shoot it off towards the east, which is associated with air and knowledge and all of those bits? That's what I mean by a specific direction. Understood. In that respect, or I don't know if I am sending energy to a grandchild who's sitting in an exam for whatever okay. reason, yep. so that they remain calm or whatever, I'm going to shoot that energy kind of loosely in the direction where loosely I know. Loosely in the geographic direction yeah, where they exactly. are, sure. Okay. Exactly. And that's what I mean by a specific direction. And it's, it's interesting, just the, the, the subtle difference there. For me, out is straight up. So okay. if I'm trying to send my calming to, say, your, your granddaughter KK at an exam, even though knowing she's west of me, yeah. I would send that up into the universe. And, and I generally tend to visualize things as drawing down into the center of the earth, which at that moment is actually me. Yeah, that makes sense. So for me, it's up is out and down is in, but everybody has their own different way of seeing that. Sure. And I think it depends what you're doing, too. You know, and I think that's that's a lot of it. I mean, if I'm working on stuff that's meant to benefit to to make me more spiritual or, or benefit me, and right. the is all around me, I'm going to draw it into me or down, as you put it. Right, or, and that's the way I tend to see it. Almost as if you if you've ever seen a, a graphic or whatever of the magnetic lines of the Earth's field, you know, kind of that out at the top. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of what works for me. Oh yeah. Hey, why not? You've got to figure out what works for you and go with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be honest about it. And there are some people who feel the need to protect themselves from whatever. You know, maybe they experience something in terms of they came in contact with some sort of malevolent entity that you and I haven't had the pleasure of meeting. Well, I think when I share the 
the viewpoint that at least from the way we see those kind of occurrences, we see them as being an aspect of our inner selves and not actually coming from an external malevolent entity, but being the result of something that's going on in our own. Uh, but being that's the yeah. way that we see things. And I think you and I share that primarily, if nothing else, it, it links to some of the experience you, we've both had with recovery. And, and that, that sense of self-responsibility, if there's if there's something nasty going on in my life, it, it, it there's a really good chance that it's something that I'm somehow either creating or exacerbating. Yes, I like the way you put that. Yes. You know, and I'm not saying we are wide-eyed optimists. I know I tend to be more of a glass-half-empty type of person. <laughs> Just in general, you know, I, I, I kind of gotten away from the word pessimist because current psychology tends to actually talk about people in terms of optimism and realism. Yeah. And actually, those of us who are realists are better equipped to deal with day-to-day life than those people who walk around. And the idealists. Yep, absolutely. Classes types because... When those get knocked off, it's more of a shock. Well, myself being a veteran, myself being a veteran, I was I was trained and encouraged and programmed to the level where I am always preparing for the absolute very worst that could happen and then rejoicing in the fact that it did. Yeah, exactly. It's like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. Phenomenon. Yes. And how many shoes are coming? Sometimes it becomes a form of, and I can see where where a lot of victims or a lot of veterans struggle, Um, not just military service, but a lot of different walks of life. Sometimes it can be debilitating in that I can actually tell you what my plan is for what would happen if a truck came through that window. And sometimes you get a little overwhelmed with being so hypervigilant. Yeah. And I mentioned that because what we're talking about today, sacred space, there are times when I have learned that I just need to take my three deep breaths. Yes. And sometimes I clasp my hands over my, my solar plexus really and I say, okay, yeah. okay, the sacred space is inside this skin bag, and then we will work it out from there, but at least I know in my own skin. You're safe. I am safe. I am whole. I am grateful. Uh, you know what I mean? So yes, sacred space sometimes is just a matter of, oh, my God, I need my bubble for just a minute. Yeah, and sometimes and sometimes we need that. All right. Starting in, inside me and then working it out some days. You know, other days I'm aware, like you said, the whole universe is sacred and it's all birdsong and then I'm waiting for the truck to come through the window. And I can see why training like that in that whole thing with hydrovigilance, it affects your cortisol and your hypothalamus sure. and all sorts of parts of your brain that you can't turn it off easily. No, but like like I say, with practice and with time and with self-understanding, I've been able to say, all right, I recognize that I am freaking out about things that are, are high in the sky, 
million to one chances, I'm going to take my three deep breaths. I'm going to create that bubble of sacred space right in my solar plexus. Mm -hmm. And from there, I know again that I am a magical being. It's sort of that, that saying, I am a magical being having a human experience. Mm-hmm. It yeah, kind of so- gets me back to that little core. And, and to me, that is the the ultimate sacred space is that that little spot that we're, where we breathe from. Well, sure it is in that respect. You know, that little spark that we all got. Yep. And some days we need to have the spark be the little teeny tiny so we can hang on to it and feel safe. And other right. times it can really like flame out there. Other days, I can walk around my yard and the entire neighborhood just glows from it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and both are okay. You know, I am just glad that as a veteran, you have recognized what works for you to get out of that hyper-vigilant state. It kind of makes me sad sometimes having lived with veterans. My second husband was a veteran, and he couldn't. And that whole hyper-vigilance was... Shit's scary sometimes. <laughs> well, and and like I say, it can be debilitating if it, it's it's just a conscious thing where I understand that yeah, I have plans, but that doesn't mean I have to be on the edge of my seat. I can, I can breathe. The universe is not requiring my presence this moment. <laughs> no, the universe is not asking me to be Superman today. Right. I think it's the best way to describe that one. So now we've really gone down the rabbit holes. Well, no, because we're still talking about sacred space. I mean, even even in my little MacGyver-ish ideas where I'll come up with, all right, this is my my, um, correspondence for Earth, and people look at me and go, where do you get Earth from that? And You know what I mean? Yes, I do. But these totems, as I call them, or props – um, you, with your stones, your touchstones, mm. those are powerful tools when we create sacred space. Sure. I know I can I can do a wonderful ritual out in the yard and not put anything down, and it works fine. But the same ritual that I do if I put a candle in four spots or if I put a stone in four spots, and when I'm walking around doing the magic in my peripheral vision, I was seeing those markers. Mm, it makes a difference. That it? does enhance my sense of what we're talking about here as sacred space. Thank there you. is a geophysical zone here where my impact is, if nothing else, more than it is outside that zone. Yes, exactly. And I, I like the way you use the word enhance. Mm-hmm. I think it enhances our perception more than it heals the sacred space. Sure. Being a space more sacred. So I want to make sure that we're on the same right. wavelength. It's still sacred. It just feels more sacred to me because I'm doing stuff. So I don't know how many folks out there will catch this reference or not. Probably most that are our age. Mm-hmm. But a million gazillion years ago, you could get a plastic thing that went over the top of a four-legged folding card table. Yes. And the one that I had turned the world underneath that card table into a Carol's, which is prior to Burger King, but it was a fast food 
So I would put that thing over the table and I would go in with some paper plates and some bread and some peanut butter and some jelly. Uh And then I would solicit my family walking by as customers. You know, can I make you a sandwich today? So underneath that tent and whether it was a tree house or what mine was just one of those vinyl plastic things that they had log cabins they had castles probably outlawed by now but essentially a shower curtain over a folding table yes okay that especially if you weren't in the economical situation where you had lots of toys and stuff like that that symbolic space. Oh, when I put that that thing over that table and set that up for a day or so in the corner of my room, uh-huh. that space was just incredible. Sure it did. And then on into my 50s, um, one of the times that you and Susie were out back getting ready to do something, and I wanted some sort of physical for you to be able to see, Mm-hmm. And I took the chalk that I use for my chalk line, remember? And I squirted yeah. little dots around in a circle uh-huh, uh-huh. around the two of you working. Yeah. That silly little chalk line made that space so much more powerful. And so I think enhanced is exactly what we're looking at. I like it. I like when we get to the same place at the same time eventually. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the best part about walking the path is we can approach things from very different angles and still find commonalities a lot of the time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're all pilgrims. We're all seekers. Oh, please. Yes, we are. <laughs> I don't at least, at least those of us that are actively trying to live in our own lives. Well, yeah. In some days we don't want to. <laughs> Hence, yeah, the right. don't think would not recommend a shirt. To yeah. <laughs> Right. It still requires us to show up and, I don't know, mundane things like figure out what the hell I'm going to feed people for dinner again. But that's <laughs> just my my current rant. I told them I, I, I'm threatening to go on strike again if they don't participate. Like, I'm not going to buy food for dinner, except for me. Right. Until you participate in what we're going to have. It's no secret in the universe that I never became an expert in parenting. That being said, I always thought it would be really fun to just write like the top 10 favorite meals of the family in a circle, you know, do the, the protractor thing and put a spinner on it. Yeah, but then there's. And when nobody wants to make up their mind, just reach over and hit the spinner and say, all right, this that's it. it. We're having mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah, I know, but but you do not. You also want to have enough variety so that nobody's eating chicken so often that they're growing feathers. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm okay. saying? So I, I do, I do. Yep. Yeah, and therein yep. lies the dilemma of parents. Every single item parents. in my spinner would have cheese and peanut butter in it. You're right. <laughs> yeah, see what I'm saying? Well, I have managed through dint of threat to figure out what we're having for the next few days. So we'll see that. I've also been to the grocery store to pick up said items that would be required. They know not to touch them in advance, which has also been a dilemma at some times when somebody, you know, cooks something at like two in the morning. Sure. And oh I didn't know you needed it for dinner on Tuesday. 
So you have them all in sacred space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the refrigerator with a barricade. Just had to bring it home for you. That's all, oh, Randy. Sorry, I have now ranted enough today. So with that being said, may you find something that you've learned from listening to us crazily talk, and may you find mirth and reverence in all things. And just like, like we've stressed a couple of times, just remember the sacred space is what you make it to be. Yeah, pretty much. And with that, be safe, be kind, be loved. Practices of the path. These are the hows and whats that we, as practitioners on the path, actually do in our own lives. Everything from the various tools that we work with, as well as those we don't and why, to the solar and lunar cycles, herbs we use, crystals and stones that we work with, candles, incenses, and anything else we come up with that can give an understanding of what we personally do with our magical practices. Kind of why we do and how we do and what we do. How we, we do what we do when we do what we do, yeah. yeah. A lot of do's in there, but today we're segueing on from last episode where we started dissecting the parts of a ritual. Sure, sure. we talked about opening and setting up space and whatnot. Exactly. And now we're on to the workings, which Sue Ellis likes to call the main meal or the meat and potatoes. Right, right. Yeah, this is why we got together today. Yeah, pretty much. That's about it. And we we tended to break it down into some basic categories. We always thought of, okay, you got celebrations going on, like for a Sabbath or an Esbad. Okay. Oh, celebration or observation, yep. Yeah, rejoicing in the energy or something good happened. So we'll get together and celebrate it. Devotion. Which which, which reminds me, I apologize. I'm going to be in the interrupting mode today. But yeah. we, we, have a, we have a real special eclipse coming up in a couple of months. Yes, we do. You and I, we'll talk about it offline or whatever, but you and I need to get together and do an observance and include Susie in it. And, yes, and special I have not been as excited about an upcoming celestial event as I am about this one in a long time. So yes, I'm looking looking to, to get some people together and have some fun. That's because it's here. Yeah. You know, we hear about them all the time, but they're usually, you know, like in Borneo or something. And Well, I was in a, uh, got a chance to observe a couple of them while I was in the Navy, just right place at the right time. But yeah, they don't sweep through our area that often. No, they do not. Okay, moving on. We got celebrations. We talked about devotional kind of stuff. We're working with a particular element and we want to acknowledge something special kind of thing. Or if you happen to be a person who has developed a relationship with some sort of god or goddess and you want to devote some time to that, cool. So would we also include in that like types of initiation or self-declarations or what have you? Yeah, I think so. Okay. In that respect, you know, you a, dec- a redeclaration of intention is is kind yeah. of what I try to do. I usually I usually like to do one on the summer solstice just because it's the opposite from the winter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a, a rededication or a re cleansing or what have you. Yep. Yeah, devotion to a purpose as well as to something. Okay. Know? As in devotion to or devotional. How's that? Understood. 
uh, then we would often practice a ritual for divination of some sort. We want okay. information from the ancestors, information from one of the elements, information from the universe or whatever. And sometimes when you had one of those sort of more major questions for yourself that you wanted to focus on, mm -hmm. crafting a ritual featuring that divinational question. And then spell working, of course, you could do a ritual around that. And last but not least, that etc. type category is like, okay, it doesn't fit any of the other ones, so we'll stick it over here. <laughs> not that the, any kind of any purpose for ritual is great, but it can doesn't you, have to match a category. Can you give me an example of something that you would consider to be an etc. though? Oh dear. Um, you got a new tool of some kind. And you wanted to focus on connecting yourself to it. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. See, I would just lump that in with spell work and magic. Sure. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, sometimes you want it to be different or special or whatever, or more of that ritualization of the other day, your birthday, mm -hmm. anniversary of some kind, your kid graduated from college or they're going off to college or they started sure. kindergarten or Birth of a grandchild. Sure, sure. Yeah. But not not for nothing. We're we're coming up on the anniversary of um Susie and I being married and on the anniversary of her passing. And yeah, there's there's going to be some observation magic happening there. Certainly. Well, exactly. But it doesn't necessarily fit one of those yeah. other categories. But it's an equally important reason to have ritual. I mean you can have ritual just because you want to go out there and sit in the middle of your ritual circle. Absolutely. You know, well, the, the, the reason I asked the question the way I did is because your your categories for me, you know, I'm I'm always trying to distill it down to minimalism, yeah. um, the celebration or observation, that kind of stuff. I, I marked as an event. Yeah, exactly. The devotion, re-inspiration, that kind of stuff is about purpose. Mm -hmm. The divination, inspiration, information is more about question than asking mm -hmm. and the spell work and the magic and the etc to me is more about the action or the doing yeah what exactly. what do i need to happen or what am i trying to create or manifest or what have you you know that all fits under the umbrella to me of spell work and magic well, sure um, so i guess my etc probably just lives in there too but yeah it takes it down to an event a reason or a purpose a question or a need and an action or a project or something that we're trying to affect upon our universe. Exactly. And there you go. You know, I mean, like I said, the meat and the potatoes. What are you doing is part of your ritual that acknowledges or what actions are you taking? You know, what question are you asking? How are you at choosing to look for an answer? You know, that's, that's sure. the part of it. And and working, okay, you do not have to have a working as part of a ritual in that respect where you're actually doing something. Right. You could just be celebrating the fact that the moon is full. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, I lived to see another equinox. Hey, exactly. You know, exactly. Yes. Yeah. The point I make it, sure. you know, but by the same token, 
it's the reason more than anything else that you're doing the ritual you're doing. Ab- absolutely. In fact, you know, I'm 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 sitting here with my doodle and I'm thinking about some of the last two or three different times that I did a ritual that was more than just a little quick signal in the air thing, but I actually wanted to craft an opening and a working and a closing. Exactly. And I look at the things that I include in that working category that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. And if you want to try something fun just out of curiosity, the next time you do a working, keep track or take a look and be more than normal aware of what parts of this working am I doing for the magic or the universe and what parts of this working am I doing for the day, you know, for myself? Mm-hmm. Because when I take, you know, if, if, if I say it's going to be 10 steps, you know, I'm going to light the candles for this reason and I'm going to do this for this reason. And I look at those 10 steps when I deconstruct some of my own rituals, I realize that six or seven are usually things that are almost like an extension of the opening mm-hmm. where I'm getting myself into the half of the working that I'm doing is for me to get to a point where then I'm actually going to provide my, my question or, you know, my manifestation or whatever. But I, I think it's really easy to blur a line between at what point does the opening end and the working start or, Throughout the working, how much am I still opening new senses and and new channels and pathways? I I think for me, you could almost see it as a a sine curve or a a sine wave as well as being one or the other between opening and working. And again, between working and closing, because there's there's a, a point during our working where we have said what it is that we want to say. Mm-hmm. And we have acknowledged that we're hopeful that it's being heard. And so we're you're almost kind of closing the way out of your working before you do your closing. Yeah, which makes sense because I think part of what makes a working a working in that essence is in the same way that the ritual has an opening, a working, and closing. So a beginning, a middle, and an end, like yep. a story, the working has an opening, a middle, and a closing as well. That's exactly what I was trying to allude yeah. to. Yeah, absolutely. So There's it, some, it, some it, layers it, and it levels tends, there. Yeah, they, it's another layers and levels thing. And they tend to overlap. I agree. You know, I mean, for us, the opening is that signal that, oh, ritual's going to start, and we're going to do stuff. Well, and the reason you're that- to start gearing up. Yep. And then you get to the working, and you have to kind of get into the working. It isn't like, all right, opening's done, working starts. Right. There's and that's that's kind of what I was what I was reflecting on. And it's and it's funny because we both just mentioned layers and levels. Okay. It was that card that came up, um, part of the Witchstones Oracle deck for our listeners. Uh-huh. So we're working on getting the marketing and distribution back. So if if you're interested in the Witchstones Oracle deck and you can't figure out how to make it work on the website that Dave's still working on, just drop us an email. We'll be happy to put a kit together for you. This, the, the products may not be showing online, but they're certainly available. 
Hopefully, yes. Any, anyway, that particular morning that I was planning on doing a ritual, I drew that layers and levels card. And so I had that thought in mind mm-hmm. of, yeah, there's a there's an opening, a working, and a closing to your opening. Mm-hmm. There's an opening, a working, and a closing to your working. And so there's almost a, a, like a fractal component to it. Yeah, it's kind of neat, which may explain that you feel like you, you thought you're doing ritual for 10 minutes and you discover it's three hours later. You've just wandered down another fractal. Well, and it also explains why when we, for one reason or another, don't get completely grounded or completely dissipated. Oh, please, yes. When when we go off, like Susie used to, to describe it, ab astral. Oh, please. Um, we had that circumstance oh. with my significant and other and I the other day where I was able to use the path as a way to describe you know, this is what's going on is we got all excited and got up till this moment. And then the next thing you know, we were in a checkout line doing mundane stuff. And there wasn't any time to to close those processes down. Um, I being a software guy, you know, you got to red X all of these windows and get everything shut down at some point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is why. We always make sure there's bread available as part of the closing for a ritual. Well, and, and that has become for me a really, really strong component where, yeah, the having something to eat at the end of a ritual, even a, a bite or a morsel, especially something bready and sweet, um, is a way of my body understanding that, okay, we're out of that um, – sacred space now i'm i'm only grinning about that because that's what we're going to talk about in our next segment yes that is true actually i think it's before this one if you actually go through the podcast in order but that's neither here nor there so i believe i must be living on an alternate timeline then because i'm doing it in the backwards order (laughs) that's fine you know you and i do great backwards forwards whatever so that being said anything you want to add to our discussions on workings um, no, I think we've, we've done a, a good job of, of covering why and what and how it is that we do what we do. Exactly. And for me, a working is the place where the potential for manifestation starts. Yep. Because we're on the magical side of things, if you think about it. If you're thinking about the hedge, we're tipped a bit towards the magical when we're working. Sure. And you have, to have somewhere to go or anchor. And that's part of the closing, but we'll get to that one next time. Absolutely. So until then, may you find mercy and reverence in all things. Be safe, be kind, and be loved. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. For this week's tip, trick, or witchy hint. I'd like to share with you an experiment that I'm working with in what I call decomposable magic. What inspired this is uh, for me in my home and my practices, observing the passage of time has always been a very, very key component of the magic that I do. I, I like to, um, after I've finished a ritual, I'll put the housel plate with a little breadcrumbs and a little bit of the juice left that I had during my um, ceremony. I like to put that out on the, the back of the picnic table and let the birds have the bread and notice after a few weeks that either the 
the the wine cup has filled up with water from rain or dried out and knowing that it's been a little bit of a bird bath there and it's fed some of the bugs or maybe you know some of the birds or something like that so watching that plate just sort of naturally emptying itself or there's a place on our backyard fence where my late darling wife sue used to do drawings in chalk and charcoal on the side of our old unpended fence and now after her being gone uh, close to two years now um, i'm starting to notice that the chalk drawings of, of butterflies and dragonflies that she did and some of her charcoal painting and artwork on the side of the house is fading or watching the the pile of brush in your yard year after year even though you know you added a couple of feet of brush in the springtime it's back to just this slow small compact thing so watching and observing and noticing for me the passage of time is a confirmation so to speak that the things are working okay for me so I wanted to try to add that to some of my magical practice and I'd like to do a lot of stuff out in nature nature so my experiment in decomposable magic is simply that using a bunch of um, elements or correspondences or little pieces for example string or yarn as long as it's not nylon something natural um, or tissue paper or even write a little spell with a crayon on a piece of potty paper um, and then roll it up and tie a piece of thread around it or things like that but the idea is to have all of those elements naturally be able to either decompose or be food for something or you know the string we would hope would become part of some bird's nest or something like that but being able to put that out on a plate in your yard or on your balcony or your windowsill and watch over time as nature sort of takes its processes with these things. So I'm not doing any specific magic with this tip trick or witchy hint. I'm just making this suggestion that there's a ton of different things that we can do that we could put outside. Um, like I said, crayon, a crayon on body paper or chalk on the sidewalk. Um, little, the, the toilet paper rolls or the paper towel rolls that you have, those will biodegrade just like a brown paper bag or a piece of newsprint or something like that. And so, um, real quick, I wanted to write down some correspondences just to give you some ideas of the kinds of things that I'm thinking of. Um, so for earth, you could use salt salt on a plate or what have you with rain and wind and everything else it will dissipate um, so would sand um, in a pinch I know we all have a spot somewhere in our house where we can go at a moment's notice and gather a pinch of dust even a little piece of dust or something like that um, a dust bunny from underneath the, the couch for earth obviously you can use water and you can have a plate of water that will become either a bird bath or will um, evaporate or whatnot. But one of the other things that I've used is I used to hang open glass bottles in the apple tree in the backyard. 
And it was one of the ways that I could tell whether or not we were getting enough rain or not enough rain is when the bottle was dry, I knew we hadn't had rain in, in, in long enough. And if the bottle was overflowing, I knew we had had having too much rain lately. Um, another thing that you could use for this sort of, uh, water correspondence in this spell work or magic is you could use ice. Um, you could use colored water in that if you mix some food coloring or some dye or even some strawberry juice or whatever into some water and then put it on a white saucer, you'll be able to notice that as the water evaporates, it will leave some of that stain or some of that color. And then that itself, in turn, with wind and rain and sun and whatnot, will eventually erode away and you'll have that clean plate again. Um, Ideas of things that you can use for correspondence and for fire would be um, a piece of coal or a little unburnt piece from the last time that you had a ritual fire. Um, Susie used to save little stubs in a jar. Um, ashes, ashes from either your fire pit or um, from some sacred burning that you've done. Um, even a little bundle of really tiny sticks. If you bundle them together, that could be symbolic of a little bundle or a bale fire. And of course, you know, the birds in your area will come and collect those pieces of sticks and they'll become part of somebody's home. And in that way, um, be before I close that up, I want to mention air as well. Um, an incense cone. If you set an incense cone on, on your front porch railing at some point, it's either going to get wet and disintegrate or something's going to carry it off or the wind's going to blow it or what have you. Um, uh, a piece of, fe uh, if you find a feather, you could use a feather for air or even little tiny bits of string and just put them in a little pile on your, your back porch or something like that and watch and see how long it takes before that whole stack of string is gone or blown away or what have you. But to wrap this up, the idea behind all of this is knowing that time is going to replace, and I mean re-dash place the energy that you put into that spell to the place where in nature it's most needed so as a way of wrapping up whatever little sigils or whatever little prayer that you wrote on that piece of body paper once it is dissolved and gone and become worm food or whatever nature takes that energy that you have put into that working and puts it where nature needs it most. And to me, that's kind of the ultimate idea of decomposable magic. For now, be safe, be kind, and be loved. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday, but you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, Young Crones. We'd love to have you join our growing online Discord community. Check out our new Patreon presence. Just look for Young Crones Cafe. Through Patreon, you'll be able to make it to our Discord. We are also Young Crones Cafe on Twitter and Facebook. Until then, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedgewalkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. 
We are seekers of knowledge. And we are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mote it be. So mote it be.